1: What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake here. We've got a lot to dive into. We're going to talk about the college football playoff games so far. We're going to talk about the national championship, the top draft prospects in that game, kind of go through our wish list of prospects for the Broncos. And then we will talk about a... I guess i won't say meaningless because there are implications for this broncos game but a game that's just not really all that interesting with the broncos chiefs this weekend guys happy new year happy holidays hope everyone is doing
2: well excited to get into this with you guys i'm hyped like it's it's draft season now you know i kind of said the same thing last week but broncos are done the the 2021 broncos are officially dead in my book, and that means that it's time to talk about next year, which is honestly more fun, typically, than just talking about the normal Broncos, because they've sucked so much recently, uh, so I'm hyped. You know, I like I'm, I get to watch all these games on Sunday and cheer for what is best for the Broncos draft position, which feels so much m- more... Not it, it feels right compared to cheering for the teams that you need to lose for the Broncos to make the playoffs. Like, here's the whole time I think, like,
0: doesn't really matter well i think we finally have something to root for though when it comes to the broncos for the first time in a few months i mean even if you're rooting for the loss uh, there's at least something at play here mm-hmm.
1: i'm glad that hank brought up talking about the future because i think it's that that cushy spot where you get to focus on the, fu- the future and potential and you know what it could be before it gets blemished and reality smacks you in the face and we have to watch Vic Fangio challenge crazy plays and Pat Schirmer offenses and everything that's, that's been the Broncos season this year. But we're not going to dwell on that. Like like Hank said, it's, it's exciting times moving forward. And I think with what George Payton did in his first draft, I think there's reason to believe that, you know, with the talent that you have in place, you know, if they play this offseason right, the Broncos could be right back, you know, in the thick of things next season in contention all of the things that we're used to here in Broncos country. But uh, I want to get into these college football playoff games. First and foremost, I guess, before we kind of get into the the weeds and and start talking about individual prospects, you know, the, the matchups and all that. Did you guys enjoy these games? Because we were kind of going back and forth, you know, before we started recording here. And I don't know, it just, I was really excited going into these matchups. I felt like Michigan was going to be able to hang in the trenches. They obviously didn't. Cincinnati, I felt like, was more competitive than the score shows. But again, I'm a Bama fan, so, you know, that might have just been me projecting my own concerns and worries about getting eliminated. But I don't know. It was just kind of a meh day of football for me.
2: I, uh, yes. I- I've had fun watching. I'll say that. I-, I did enjoy watching those games. I think the difference might have been that like, I really expected big blowouts in both of them. And so when you come in expecting the blowout, you're just like, oh, well, at least we get to watch football. Like, it's... I'm part of it is just that there hadn't been, like, meaningful college football since the end of November. I guess there were some championship games beginning in December. Like, to just have... Are you besmirching the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? I I would never. (laughs) And I retract what I just said about all that. But just to have college football playoff games, there's just such a long gap in there that... You know, I saw some some of the big college football writers talking about there being, like, do you just lose your momentum when that happens? Like, in the NFL, you're now getting in the playoff stretch. There's these play-in games. Everybody's fighting for seeding. And then next week, you get to see the actual playoffs start and just builds and builds and builds. In college football, you have that long pause, which I think for maybe the casuals is a reason to just totally forget about everything that's going on. But for people like us, it's just painstaking sitting here for a month, not knowing what's next in in these games, and they were finally back. And so I did enjoy watching them. I do think that expecting a couple blowouts made it a lot easier to to handle the
0: two big blowouts. Yeah, I don't know if I'm just uh, kind of like Hank, and I was actually excited, or if I'm just like sick in the head because I did actually watch both games like start to finish. Um, I think the most apparent thing to me is. either Alabama and Georgia or LSU, whoever the second best SEC team are just too good for everyone else, or we need to make major changes uh, to the format of this entire thing. Because um, I don't, like Hank said, I mean, he went in expecting blowouts. We got blowouts. Um, In my opinion, that's an issue, man. Um, Because uh, the casual fan just isn't going to tune in after a while, especially when it's uh, Alabama and Georgia and, uh, I don't know, Clemson. I mean, it's the same group of characters every year, in and out. Um, not to be dis- like discouraged by a thing. I did enjoy watching the games, watching some prospects and stuff. It did suck to see my team get blown out. Um, but I don't know. It's just the CFP at this point. Um, we kind of got what we expected, I feel.
2: Yeah. I like that you brought that up because I've seen a bunch of like the big national guys. I think ESPN has a column up right now basically saying why would we expand the playoff you already are getting these uncompetitive games and i'd say that's exactly why you expand the playoffs like I, I think that they totally got the correct four teams and put them in but i would have loved to have seen cincinnati have to go through ohio state before they got to play that game and and just to kind of prove it because i do think that it's usually pretty clear who the top two teams are or depending on the year maybe there's three maybe there's one whatever but I do think there's a lot more gray area behind it. And I think, you know, what what would Utah have done to to one of these teams? I think they would have had a chance to beat Michigan, beat Cincinnati, and just force teams to have to prove that they're actually that good instead of just saying, well, their resume is the best, so they should be the best because that's not how it works. It does. That's how you get in for sure. But that isn't necessarily meaning you provide the best game.
1: I just don't know if the outcome is going to be any different. I do think you potentially get more intriguing games along the way, but I also think if you're Bama, if you're Clemson, if you're Georgia, and you're sitting there, you're just making those teams play more games. Potentially, risk injuries with these guys that go into the pros, and then that becomes a whole can of worms too. Um, I get it. You know, all 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 things considered, I think four teams is is the right number, and I know that I'm in the minority there. I just don't think it's going to change anything to add more teams. I do think we might get more interesting games. So I'm not opposed to expansion just because, you know, why not shake it up at this point? We're getting the same teams in there anyways. I guess let's just shake it up and and see what happens. Um, If you're Alabama, I mean, I guess you would just, you would say, we're the best. We can prove we're the best, you know, no matter what format it is. I do wonder if they expand, if they get rid of the conference
0: championship games though it's, there's a lot to go into it. I mean, I see both sides where you're saying that I don't think it changes anything. And I do agree to some point. I mean, I think instead of just seeing one blowout, we would see Bama maybe blow out two or three teams instead. Uh, But to Hank's point, I do think that, you know, getting some more competitive uh, games between teams, like, I don't know, if Michigan played Oklahoma or something, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that number, or that game would have done a number. um, It would have drawn the general public. Um, I think by expanding, though, too, you also fix another issue we have, and that is that a lot of these bowl games don't really mean anything anymore and that players aren't – they're not kind of viewing them the same way as we do and as many other diehard college football fans see these games. Uh, Obviously, you have Utah and Ohio State going balls to the wall in the Rose Bowl, which was awesome. Um, But You just don't have that happening. That was a fantastic game. Uh, probably the best game, best bowl game of the season. Right. Am I wrong? Am I missing something? Um, So, I mean, you can kind of bring some importance back to these uh, Fiesta bowls, uh, some of these other smaller bowls, if you do expand, and that's a way to kind of fix that issue too. Um, But fixing the bigger issue, like Justin said, I don't know if that actually fixes that. Yeah. Uh, I think you just uh,
1: made the the best case though for, why you know, you still expand the playoff, even if it's still going to end with Alabama, even if it's still going to end with Clemson or Georgia, Ohio State, you know, these teams that just recruit at a higher level than everyone else in the country and obviously have an uphill advantage when it comes to resources and donors and all of that. Like, they're always going to have the upper hand when it comes to that kind of stuff. But at least you make bowl season as a whole more interesting because we grew up in a time where, you know, you had to catch every New Year's Bowl. Now it's one of those where it's like, yeah, I love college football. I watched like, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl between Oregon State and Utah State. I watched the New Mexico Bowl. I watch all the little ones no one cares about. But back in the day, I mean, you couldn't miss the big ones. You couldn't miss what we called, you know, the New Year's Six Bowls. And now it's like, yeah, I won't miss the Rose Bowl. But if I miss the Sugar Bowl, am I going to, you know, am I going to be that upset about it? Probably not.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you, for good reason. Like, you look at the Matt Corral situation, like, he goes and plays in the bowl game for Ole Miss and the whole day all these guys, the old men of college football Twitter are saying, oh, good on him for going and playing one more game with his team. Like, the entire broadcast through that first quarter is these commentators saying, like, oh, you just don't see it anymore. What what kind of heart is this? And he's out there, he's playing his best. They said they're not afraid to run him today. Like, he just, and then, He goes and gets hurt and twists his ankle up. And I guess I still haven't heard. I I think the MRIs came back negative, so it's only like a sprained ankle or something. But what was Matt Corral thinking? That's just a bad decision to go do that when you're a potential first-round draft pick at quarterback. Like, you've proven what you need to prove. This is why. Like, these are meaningless games. You have tape out there. And make them meaningful. Like, if you want to see those guys play, make them matter. Make Build this playoff. And I get that you worry about injuries when they play more games. But again, like the FCS championship is tomorrow. They played a full college football season and then they played a 2014 playoff and they're just fine injury-wise. Like it's football. I, I, I don't know. All like, right, two things though. Mm-hmm.
1: One, you're you're looking at this through these games don't matter to us, which is true. Mm-hmm. There is still meaning in these games to players. So I'm not going to criticize Matt Corral for wanting to go out there with his teammates one last time. I respect the hell out of it. But at the same time, when you see that happen, it completely makes the case for why these players opt out Mm -hmm. and why it's stupid to criticize them for doing so, because you can potentially jeopardize. I mean, look at Jake, Butt. it's, he's the probably the perfect example of a guy that, you know, he goes from being a first round pick promising NFL future to a guy that bounced around, never made it in the league. Couldn't stay healthy. It completely changed the trajectory of his career. And again, you know, you have guys like Britton Covey who've been at Utah for 10 years. It feels like he plays in this game instead of opting out. He returns a punt for a touchdown, gets his moment. You know, like mm-hmm. there are, it, it can work out. So I, I don't want all players to opt out. I just won't ever be upset if they choose to do so.
2: Yeah. 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 If you, yeah. The other thing though right. is just like you're playing this game a month after the season ends. Like, like your body, it just changes things. Like, you're not in that week in, week out rhythm, and just weird things happen. And it's just, I don't know, it's not worth the risk. Also, Britton Covey, it's crazy. He's, he was in my high school class, I think. And he, he has one more year at Utah next year. It's just ridiculous. He's the guy that Broncos need.
0: They could use someone with grit like that. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But to go back to, i um, talking about, you know, opting in and out. It is really kind of a case by case situation though. Uh, you look at someone like Kenny Pickett, he caught a lot of flack, I think because he opted out of the game versus Michigan state. I don't know which bowl it was. I can't remember. Um, the Chick-fil-A peach bowl actually, but you know, he got, he caught a lot of shit because he opted out and you know, he's someone, he's someone that's been in college for a long time too. And he's battled a lot of injuries And he's finally kind of scaled the mountain to get back to where um, his stock probably would be if he didn't get hurt, you know, end of last year, um, a couple of years ago too, when he got hurt. But then you look at Matt Corral, a guy who's, I don't want to call him a one-year wonder, but he's kind of cashing in just off this big year this year, right? And you really kind of want to uh, stamp the exclamation point on that if you're him. Um, But on the flip side, uh, you could kind of argue that Corral's stock probably at this point is already as high as it's going to get. Um, so maybe he didn't even need to play that game. Uh, he is lucky he came away with just a sprain because it looked way way worse than uh, a sprain. I mean, I was fearing a fracture or something. Yep. Um, but it's just it's it's a polarizing topic. It's very interesting to break down. I I don't think there's anyone any way that you can play it perfectly. Uh, you just got to be lucky more than anything. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's all
1: situational. I think you I think you nailed it there. Um, let, let's bring it back around though, because. We we've gone a little bit sidetracked here, and let's talk about these college football playoff games. And I think the, the general synopsis here is they weren't great games. I still enjoyed them. You guys still enjoyed them, even though you know we're 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 not normal though. You know, we we consume all college football. I guess that's the main point here. Um let's start with Alabama and Cincinnati. That was the first game of the day. I think Cincinnati if anything, at least prove that, you know, that they weren't like a fluky G5 team,
2: they deserve to be in that game. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like, I'm not convinced that if they have to play Ohio State or have to play Baylor or have to play Oklahoma, um, that that they wind up winning and getting this spot. But yeah, you look at the resume, they definitely deserve to be in. And I think they they held up pretty well. And again, they they held up the way that you kind of expect them to, right? Like, even if they're getting gashed on the ground, like, they're well-coached. Like, they, they're not making mistakes. They're not giving up huge plays. They're, they're making their way down the field with the little bubble screens, with the old RPOs and that sort of stuff. And they just played really good football despite a, a talent deficit. Um, you know, I'm not sure who really stands out the most to me. Um, I thought Ahmaud Gardner and Jay Sanders, I guess, are probably the, the two guys who matter the most defensively for this podcast. They both played pretty well. I think Maje Stand- Sanders had a couple plays that he really blew up. Um, but again, it's just kind of like the final test for him. You, you played Notre Dame, and that's a good school, but this is easily the best competition that you've faced. And I think both of those guys looked like you, you would want them to in, in a game like this.
0: I just, I mean, I don't think Cincinnati could have done any better than Baylor or Notre Dame would have done in this situation, really. Um Uh, Like you said, Justin, it did seem, especially in the first half, it did seem pretty close. Um, They just weren't able to really get any momentum going offensively. And I think that's just what happens when you're literally going three, four stars against just a team full of five stars. Um, It's just tough for that to even happen. Uh, Prospect wise, Brian Robinson was pretty amazing. The Bama offensive line um, looked incredible, just constant push in the run game. Um, But yeah, Ahmad Gardner, uh, Jamison Williams was kind of, I don't want to say he was completely neutralized, but only seven receptions, 62 yards, no touchdowns, Um, did have one rush for 18 yards. So you did see his kind of versatility and the way he can play the game. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's about it, really. I don't know what, (laughs) what else we got. And uh they didn't get beat over the top like Georgia did in the CC
1: championship game. And I think that was the big difference. That's why that's why it's an 11 point game going into the fourth quarter. And you know, you're not down. I know they end up losing by by three scores, but that's why you're not
2: down four or five scores going into the fourth quarter. Yep. They they had their opportunities too. Like they get the ball back off of the missed field goal with three minutes left, three and a half minutes left. And what were they down seven at that point? I believe so. Yeah. It so a
1: 10, but yeah,
2: a, a chance to get down the field, you get a touchdown there. Then I think it was seven. It was definitely seven. So you get down the field and score a touchdown. You can tie it up and you get the ball after halftime, you get field goal, and then you can go down after halftime, get a touchdown, you take the lead. Like they, they had those chances and said it's a three and out and they let Bama get the ball back and go score themselves. And that to me was really when the game ended just because they're not going to come back from, from that sort of deficit probably unless some fluky things happen. Um, turnovers and that sort of stuff. but yeah, I, I think they played they played good football. They played probably to the best of their abilities. And I think you gotta you gotta feel good about that,
0: yeah, I mean, no turnovers. Um, you know, it did seem like the coaches really actually prepared them well. It's just that there's just a gap in talent that it's almost impossible to overcome, frankly,
2: like when when Bama is able to run that way, for over 300 yards that efficiently there's just you you can't you you can't beat that because you You don't turn the ball over when you run and if you're just gonna rip off five six yards every single time like you just kind of have to play perfect offensively and i think those early drives for cincinnati and they didn't didn't finish them well i think they left some points out there but again with those little rpos those the screen passes some of these cute little things to the sideline just to get get Desmond Ritter in a rhythm, first of all, but also just to slowly work their way downfield. Um, they, yeah, I, it was a well-coached team. It, I think they played well. It's just, it's Bama.
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned to your point, uh, sorry, just Luke Fickle, stock up a bit. I mean, yeah, I think that's a, a well-coached team, a team that came in prepared, and obviously we've talked about the talent uh, disparity, Um, he did kind of mass that a bit. I mean, six to 27, isn't anything crazy, but, um, didn't Ohio state get shut out versus Clemson. Like there's been some embarrassing performances. They didn't go out there and embarrass themselves. I think that's pretty big.
1: Mm -hmm. They hung a hell of a lot better than Michigan state did. Whatever that was like 2016, you know, what was that game? Like 50 to three. Um, you mentioned Brian Robinson jr. And, uh, He's probably a guy that, in terms of improved his draft stock the most. I guess it would be him, just because he wasn't exactly, you know, a big name. I think he's had a really impressive season, but a lot of people just kind of put him, you know, he's another running back in a long line of successful backs in an Alabama backfield. So it's just kind of hard to judge. But 26 carries for 204 yards, 7.8 yards per carry. Where do you see him right now? And it's it's early in the process, so these aren't like concrete draft evaluations or or projections or anything like that. But I don't know. He feels like a third, fourth round pick maybe
0: at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. We saw it last year with Najee um, and he wasn't generational or anything to that matter, but he was a special prospect. Um, And I think it's pretty apparent that Brian Robinson is good, but just not that good. So yeah, yeah. he's not Najee. Um, I mean, day two at best, um, tough to say, but I mean, if he comes out and has a bad testing day, yeah, day three is definitely possible.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's just a, a really big and really strong back, and he's fast too and can do those sorts of things. But he's, I don't know, kind of like when we talk about Isaiah Spiller, which is like that's an NFL running back. Like he's big, he'll break tackles right. at the next level. I feel some of that with him. It's just the maybe some of the elusiveness and explosion might not quite be there. Um, the crazy efficient day, though, like I think uh, pro football focus will divide up like how how he ran between each gap. So between the guards, between, whatever, but there wind up being eight gaps. He averaged at least five yards per carry, at least five point three yards per carry in seven of those eight gaps, like wherever they did work. And again, a part of that is just that Bama's offensive line is going to be opening those holes. Still, though, it was a really great day for Brian Robinson going for 181 yards on 25 carries. Big test now is Georgia. Like, I think what he did was really catch people's attention. And now if he goes for 150 efficiently against Georgia, then you start saying he's somebody to really keep an eye on. You know, if if he runs well at the combine, then all of a sudden he'll fly up draft boards. But I, I do think that he's just a step away now. I do like
1: if you're a, if you're a coaching staff trying to evaluate this guy, big strong already has an NFL body, and he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires, you know, and he is an experienced player, but it's, you know, one of those things where I think there's some value in being in an Alabama system for half a decade, the coaching that you receive, you know, that the access mm-hmm. that you receive. Um, I don't know, it's just something to consider. It, it wouldn't shock me if he kind of goes under the radar and then, you know, just ends up being a guy that, you know, can get you 850 yards and then six touchdowns a year. I don't expect him to be a superstar or anything like that, but I think he can be uh, in somebody's running back rotation. Um, But I do want to talk about that, the the Bama-Georgia matchups, obviously, we're going to get into all that. But before we do, it's the final week of the pro football regular season. College football is heading into the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all the fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet $5 on any football team to win their game. If they do, you're going to win $200 in free bets. Let's wind down the season with a big win. DraftKings, uh, customers can also bet on the football game with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR, bet $5 on any football team, college or pro. Win 200 in free bets if they're victorious. That promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Also, want to remind you guys about Sexy Pizza. Um, You guys might have had it at our Broncos tailgates. If you guys come out to those, it's just all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-drink Breckenridge beer. It's a great time, and the last one is tomorrow, Saturday. That throws me off, football on Saturday. But I'm excited to get out there, and uh, hopefully I'll see some of you there. More importantly, Sexy Pizza, starting tomorrow. That's Saturday, January 8th, through next Wednesday. That's January 12th. All of our listeners can get 20% off their online orders from Sexy Pizza if they use the promo code SEXYDMVR. Again, that's SEXYDMVR, it's just one word, and you get 20% off all of your online orders. Use it for the college football playoff championship on Monday um there's some huge nfl games i wish i was going to be able to sit and watch all of those games all day if i did i definitely want sexy pizza um they've been around in the denver community for 13 years they're super local um they've got locations all around the denver area and uh you guys can check that out by going to www.sexy.pizza Again, use that promo code SEXYDMVR. They've got the three different sizes of pizza. They've got gluten-free pizza. They've got vegan options. They've got wings and salads and pasta and knots and desserts. So definitely use that code SEXYDMVR at www.sexy.pizza. Get 20% off your order from Saturday through Wednesday. Uh, you will not be disappointed. All right, we're going to talk about the national championship momentarily.
1: Kind of throw Rabid one more fire? thing in with the Cincinnati game first? Yeah, and then we got to talk
2: about Michigan, and yep. um, so let's keep it fast. Worth noting, though, Ahmad Gardner targeted four times, gives up three catches for 14 yards. All the yardage was on one catch. The rest, he's smothering these guys at the line of scrimmage. It was seriously, super impressive. And then with Myjay Sanders, ten pressures in that game. Ten That's pressures. Like those are those were monster performances from both of those Cincinnati defenders. Um, got to be first-round picks. Would love either of those guys in
1: Denver, and, and we'll kind of get into some of the prospects that we would love in Denver in the national championship game. I did want to briefly talk about the Michigan-Georgia game. Obviously, Georgia just dominated this one in the trenches from the get-go. It was kind of obvious the way that that one was going to play out. I feel bad for my grandfather, diehard Michigan fan. feel bad for our main man, Jake, who had to Endure that. that That's brutal as a fan when, you know, just like minutes into the game, it's clear that we don't have a chance today. You know, we just we don't have a chance today. And I, I think that was unfortunately the case. I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward with Michigan. Some NFL rumors for Jim Harbaugh circulating. I'll say this. The grass is rarely greener. He's got a very good gig at Michigan. He has now rejuvenated the fan base and probably bought himself another half decade at least with this playoff appearance. Don't uh, don't undervalue that. Who stood out to you in this game, though?
0: Uh, on the Michigan side, um, <laughs> not much. Um, I don't know. Haskins was okay at times, I guess, but Michigan was just completely overmatched offensively or on the offensive line. Um, I don't know. The quarterbacks didn't really do anything for me. Uh, McNamara wasn't great. McCarthy looked okay, I guess. Um, I like you said, it was just kind of. One of those things after, I don't know, maybe midway through the first quarter, if not after the first quarter, where it was just like you knew what was going to happen um, as a fan, though, it was just cool to see my team in this game, to be honest, um, especially uh, Michigan fans catch a lot of shit, man. And it was just cool to finally uh, to have a little bit of time in the sun. So yeah. Um, Jordan, Think about halfway I Jordan through this Davis. season,
1: even like if we, you know, I would have been like Jake, Michigan's going to be in the playoff. You would have laughed me off of this podcast <laughs> just because of the cynicism that had come after the last couple of years. I know they, you know, Michigan State was disappointing. That was a great game. It didn't go their way. The playoff, that's unfortunate as well. But beating Ohio State, having the run that they had, absolutely dominating the Big Ten championship. These are all things that matter, especially when you're a college football fan and and when. You know, we get into the whole debate of expanded playoff and, you know, is there interest there? Does any of this matter? When you actually root for a a school, those things matter to you. So I hope that most Michigan fans view it the way that you do and just recognize that only one team's going to win the national championship. So there's there's a lot of other things to play for.
0: Right. Too much went right this season to be upset about the ending. Um, It just is what it is, man. Um, On that note, though, Georgia, just insanely impressive in multiple aspects. Uh, Jordan Davis, I can't remember which. It was sometime, I think, in the first quarter. There was, like, an outside zone run away from him. And he, like, swam past the lineman in front of him and ran down the running back. And it was just a super impressive play to watch a guy that big moving like that. And then James Cook, my guy at running back, had a big game receiving. Um, Yeah, they went off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, on uh, Michigan, I'll throw David Ajabo out there. Um, we talk about him a lot, probably first round pick as an edge rusher. Again, the the complaints are kind of what they've always been, like just not super consistent. But there's the the one clip that's going around Twitter of him just torching the tackle off the edge and just like wow, that that is freaky talent that could turn out to be a dominant edge rusher. But again, it's just not consistent throughout the course of the game. Um I still think that he's probably a bright spot. And then Daxton Hill, um, the the safety, Mm -hmm. he plays mostly that like, whatever nickel spot. Everybody has a different name for it, but he, he's another guy who you can see flying up draft boards just because he's so fast. I thought he played pretty well too. Um, Can blitz out of there can cover out of there. I think it's kind of a fun position, especially like if we're looking at potential Broncos, you probably have to trade down or maybe he falls to the second round or something, but you know, that's, that secondary kind of weapon that you can move around would make a lot of sense. If you've got cream Jackson back for one year, he and Simmons are your safeties. You wind up with a couple of corners. You can throw somebody like that in that slot role. It's definitely one to watch. I think
1: like cream Jackson's been a year away from retirement for about five years, but he's still playing at a high level. So
2: can he really come back next year? He's going to be 34.
1: I don't, I said the same thing the last two years though. So I maybe, Maybe he can hey maybe he's just different.
0: <laughs> My guy can still lay the wood. I say, if he wants to play, let him out there, man. I
1: love the swagger, sure. man. Like I I would, as long as he's not a liability out there, give me Kareem Jackson any day of the week, especially when you've got athletic, you know, corners that can move and you've got Simmons to pair him with that can kind of, you know, make up for some of what he's maybe lost in pass coverage. But he had a, he had a nice play where he dropped down to corner in the red zone in that last game, there wasn't much to be excited about in that game, but i I did enjoy, <laughs> I did enjoy that. Um, did anybody's draft stock get hurt between these two games? Whether it's Desmond Ritter, Aiden Hutchinson, there was kind of one clip circulating where he kind of just gets absolutely flattened. I will say, take all that stuff with a grain of salt, guys. Whether it's a good play or a bad play, you know, one play is not necessarily reflective of who a player is. And if you're going to show one clip of Aiden Hutchinson getting flattened, you yeah, got to show the other 100 of him just absolutely mauling dudes the entire season. Mm-hmm. I felt like, despite it not being a phenomenal game from Ritter, if you're an NFL team, I do think you see what you can work with, just in terms of you know the RPO stuff, limiting bad decisions. You know, he didn't put them in a bad spot in terms of turning it over, trying to force it. They didn't really take any shots, but I also think that's part of just what both defenses were, were kind of able to take it away from each other.
2: Yeah, I think I mean this game to me it, I, I feel like it was a very Teddy Bridgewater type of game. I think that Desmond Ritter, that's the concern, is that like he's basically just a Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, yeah, he'll he'll be one of the best 32 quarterbacks. Not gonna be top 20, though. Like there's just the does he push the ball to the sideline? Does he get the ball downfield? He's not super electric as an athlete, although probably more mobile than Teddy. Maybe maybe not more mobile than Teddy was before the knee injury, though. So I think He definitely didn't improve anything. Um, I do think that like the the Georgia defenders absolutely improved their standing. Nicobe Dean, I mean, what Todd McShay? We probably should have gotten to this today, but maybe we'll get it next week. Todd McShay put out his new top thirty-two and has Nicobe Dean in was it like eighth, seventh, something like that? And it's because he was all over the place. And same thing with Nolan Smith. Um, Jordan Davis had a good game too. And all, all of those Georgia defenders, I felt like really helped themselves. But yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, when you can just double team a guy and try to erase him, like how much do you hold that against him?
0: And when he's playing for right. Michigan,
2: too, Michigan against Georgia, you have, yeah, the, the Georgia offense, when nobody else is really that scary, just overcommit to the one really scary guy and you're going to be
0: fine. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in terms of guys that, Hurt their stock. I think it was actually a good playoff in that regard. I don't think anyone actually went out there and like laid a dud. Um, I will say that uh, Darian Kendrick, though, had a nice bounce back game. Um, he's a guy that he had buzz a lot early in the season, kind of lost it along the way, but uh, comes back huge with those two interceptions. I think it was... Oh, man, I think it was the first one, though, that was just an excellent play. Um, And it was just one of those moments where it was like, oh, yeah, this guy still exists. Um, So that was cool to see. Um, But, yeah, in terms of stock down, um, I don't think I really have anyone. I mean, maybe Aiden Hutchinson a little bit. I mean, that's just kind of natural, though. I mean, after the high of the Ohio State game and of the Big Ten championship game, I think he just kind of came back to earth a bit. Uh, We can get into that. We have so much time to get into that, but yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And as soon as he he's going to be one of those guys that you know at the combine and once teams really get in there with him, and you know Jim Harbaugh is just going to rave about him, and and having that NFL connection helps. You know, there is politics that goes into this whole draft evaluation process, Um, but I I do want to get into the national championship because we've already been going for a long time. Bama versus Georgia. Georgia currently favored by two and a half points, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. That is as of Friday morning. Over under set at 52. I kind of like the over in this one. I mean, we just saw it play out in the SEC Championship. Then again, you know, Nick Saban defense. This Georgia defense kind of seems like it it reestablished its identity. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking this one here. What does your gut say going into this game? How do you guys feel? Is it going to be a similar matchup? Obviously, Georgia coming off of a dominant day in the trenches, but so is Bama. And and how do you compare that with Bama dominating Cincinnati versus Georgia dominating Michigan, who had been pretty stout in the trenches themselves? I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to think about, especially with the way that the SEC title game played out, a game in which Bama basically just went over the top all
0: game. Yeah. Um I mean, we've already seen the game before. I think, again, it's just going to come down to the quarterbacks. Can Stetson Bennett um, take care of the football and make a play with his arm, um, especially in the second half? Um, Because I think we're going to see pretty much an identical game plan from Alabama where they're going to try and beat them over the top um, and just overwhelm them with their weapons down the field. I don't really think this is a game for Brian Robinson to go off like he did last week. I'd be actually pretty surprised if he did get anything more than like 150 yards. Um, but I, it's tough to say at this point, I, I see, I look at the line and I see Bama had a dog and it's like, I almost can't resist that. Um, but then I don't, they, they won last game. It's just, I don't really know if it's going to be as easy as it was for them a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that they do play it a little bit differently. I think that you go through that first game and just say, okay, you what is Georgia thinking coming into this game? Georgia's thinking, well, we can't get torched over the top again. And I think that you see them come out with more of the Cincinnati game plan, which is sit back and, and just make them work their way down the field, um, make them chew up clock, make them rely on Brian Robinson, especially because if you're Georgia, you're thinking, we should be able to, with these linebackers playing, how they're playing, with the defensive line playing, how it's playing, we should be just fine if they try to run the ball on us. They want to turn the game into, into that sort of battle. Um, and so I do think that they sit back and kind of force Bama to run. Um, I think Bama's probably pretty cool with that, knowing that they will likely have some numbers in the box. Um, I think that it's more of the sporadic pick your time, chuck it deep um, type of game for them. And then Georgia on the other side, again, I, I, I think both of these teams probably play pretty conservatively. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of running the ball. And I think that there's going to probably be more fireworks in the second half. Things probably open up a bit. Um, but I do think that early on they're going to kind of ease their way in. Who are some prospects? You guys are
1: really excited to watch I mean, the obvious ones at this point, like we can only talk about how good these Alabama and Georgia, especially Georgia defensively, like, Jordan Davis, he he rules. V. Dean, he rules. We're looking forward to watching them. From a Broncos perspective, though, who are some guys that you're kind of interested to go out there and see? Because one guy that I'm intrigued by is Alabama safety, Jordan Battle. Who well, again, you know, that that you that's a spot where I could really see the Broncos trying to, to add some depth, especially, you know, second, third round. Battle has been really good this year. I'm not exactly sure. How high he'll end up going, a lot of that's probably going to come down to how he ends up testing. But on film, he's been solid, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of elevate his status.
0: Um, I got some on each side. Um, <clears throat> so on Alabama, I'm really excited to see um, Christian Harris and uh, Henry Tuotuo. Um, mm-hmm. They've been great all season, and they played really well against Cincinnati. Um, I don't think that maybe Christian Harris or Henry could sneak into the first round. Um, But I don't think we're really looking, talking about like a top 30 prospect here. So I think these are guys, um, I mean, you talk about the Broncos having multiple day two picks uh, in rounds two and three. Um, I think these are guys that you need to look at for those situations. And then on the other side, George Pickens uh, from Georgia. Um, I'd be interested to see if he does declare after this game, just because he obviously doesn't have much film on the year, Um, but he did kind of seem like he was healthy. Um, he absolutely flattened a Michigan defensive back on a block. I'm sure a lot of people saw that that kind of went a little viral, but um, those are some guys I'm looking forward to.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up a uh, uh, Darian Kendrick earlier. That was the one last guy that I wanted to get to. I mean, cause, cause what he the big complaint with him all season was that he wasn't getting his hands on the ball. And then he goes to the semifinal and picks off two passes I, mean, I, I think he has potential to turn into a first rounder with another good performance. It's just so loud he's kind of got forgotten when he when he transferred from Clemson that was that was huge news. I think he could yeah. definitely climb back up into that conversation. Um, so so definitely excited to watch him. Those linebackers for Bama, I, I'm definitely wanting to watch Nolan Smith, I think this is a big game for him with Georgia just because he's undersized like when when you're a little guy like that, the game against Bama is going to be one that really matters for you. So I'm really excited to see him play. Um, and then, of course, like Evan Neal going up against these guys. N'Kobe Dean. Um, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a lot, obviously, to, to be excited about in this game. Where are you at with Trayvon Walker right now, Jake, in
1: terms of how you you view him and his pro potential?
0: Um... The defensive lineman from Georgia, right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, the edge guy. Yeah, um, I mean, he's coming. I think he's the guy that replaced Adam Anderson, if I'm re- remembering, right? Is, he is. is that yeah. Him? So, I mean, obviously, a pretty big spot to just get thrust into. Um, sorry, I need to pull up the stats right now. I don't know exactly off the top of my head. How he got you. He's
1: got 30 total tackles, 15 solo, 15 assists, 6.5 for loss, 5 sacks, and 2 pass deflections and a fumble recovery.
0: Yeah, so kind of stuff in the stat sheet, which is nice to see. And um, I I don't want to really guess how high he goes because it's kind of all over the place. He could be like one of those guys where it's like NFL evaluators watch him in like five plays and they're like, oh yeah, this guy's a dude. Um, but then you're going to have plenty of other people. I said, well, you know, kind of sporadic production. Um, I was impressed by him though. I mean, the, Michi- the Michigan uh, offensive line has been, I think Dre's been on it. They've been kind of underrated all year, and he came in and had a decent game. Um, Obviously, the biggest test is going to come again uh, versus Alabama. He didn't have a sack last time they played, so if he's able to get on the board there, stock way up.
2: Yeah, we haven't talked about that Michigan offensive line much, but they wound up being the national offensive line of the year. That's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. That's solid. Pretty good, I'd say. (laughs) Um, All right, I think...
1: You know, we, we threw out some names for everybody to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, obviously, the big names are easy. Watch Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Jamison Williams. All of these guys are, are phenomenal athletes, and they are all really fun to watch. I think that's pretty much it for my thoughts on the national championship. I guess let's just go ahead and, and give our official predictions. Georgia, two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking Alabama outright. And again, everyone can roll their eyes. You know, I'm a Bama guy. I'm not going to pick against them. So who are you guys
2: going with? This is a really tough one. Like, like I honestly can't agree with myself on anything. Part of me thinks like, oh, this is one of those games where somebody's just going to be the better team. Like, because the last time they played wasn't that close. Either Georgia fixed it and they're going to run away with it. Or Bama's going to run away with it. But then there's part of me that thinks like, this really could just come down to the wire. Um, on top of that, like, I, I think there's a real chance that Georgia's defense is like kind of fired up for this one. Like, we know what they're capable of, we know that that's the best defense in the country. But I do think that there's a real chance that they come out and just kind of put the clamps on, say, like, that's this is, this is who we are, not that last defense. And, and there's that that gets me. At the same time, Bama's receivers, they've been good the young quarterback has been good. They've got those linebackers who can fly around too. on the other side. I really am struggling with this one, but I will say like, just because I picked Georgia last time and felt dumb, like I'm, I'm going to take Bama and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban and lose twice in one season. It's not going to happen.
0: Right. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that too. Um, Like I said earlier, you see Bama with plus money, man. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough to really go against that. But then at the same time, I think Georgia would have learned a lot from the first matchup. And I Mm -hmm. think that they're going to approach this game very differently. Um, I think they're really going to try and shorten the game. Um, And for those reasons, I'm really kind of looking at the under, Um, you think of the past rematch. Um, I think it was 49 total points what was it 29 23 or 29 26 something like that um and then I go back to 2012 that rematch between Bama and lSU it was a 21 nothing game there was not a lot of scoring at all I don't even think it was 21 nothing with touchdowns I think it was all field goals. Um, so these rematches where these teams especially in the same conference really know each other. Um, I think the under is something that we have to look at here in terms of picking the game though, Oh man, I'm just going to pick Georgia. I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. I guess Um, if I'm wrong, I may have to kind of hedge my bets with that Bama money line at plus money. But um, I think Georgia's can come out and figure it out, realize where they went wrong last time and try and capitalize on it.
2: I also, I'm that first half under like 25 and a half. Like I said, like, I just don't see a world where Georgia goes out there and says, you know what, we need to do? We need to give the ball to Stetson Bennett. That's, that's how we go <laughs> win this one. Right. Like, they got to lean on the running game, at least until the game kind of dictates that they don't. And kind of the same thing on the other side. Like, when you're Bama, you've got those big guys in the trenches, you've got that running back. Don't, I, I don't think they're I mean, scared to give the ball to Bryce Young. But if you give the ball to Bryce Young and he throws a pick early and all of a sudden you're fighting your way back the rest of the way, it's going to feel pretty dumb. So I just think both these teams come out kind of conservative. Can I I count Okay.
1: Go for it. Bryce Young torched this defense a month ago for 450 yards and three touchdowns. If Mm -hmm. Bama goes up early, if you land one of those shot plays early, immediately Georgia's on their heels. If you land two of them, I just don't think Stetson Bennett can put the that type of production on the board. He you know if you're if you're down 10-14 he's not the guy to to bring you back, you know? I just mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to see Alabama try and take some shots early. We we do got to remember Bill O'Brien is an is an aggressive play caller. He has been his entire career. Everybody's expecting Georgia's defense, you know, you're expecting you know the ground and pound. Bama's coming off of a game in which they ran the hell out of the football it's the classic Nick Saban flip, you know, then, then they come out and throw for 500 yards in this one. I don't just something to something to watch. We're giving you a bunch of deferring opinions. Um, roll tide. That's, that's all I've got. You guys want to throw anything else out on the game?
0: Um, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it though. As much as we yep. kind of hate on these rematches and the SEC and blah blah blah. I mean it's the national it's championship. Clearly, game. the best two teams in the country. Yeah. Right, exactly.
2: I don't I don't get behind like the SEC hate or anything like that. Like I just
0: this is it's this is, is the game world mock, all the draft are the best. best. This, is, yeah. this is
2: what more could you ask for?
0: Yeah. Like no, it, it's gonna be a good game. For sure. All right.
2: I want to thank
1: all of you guys for continuing to support the content. Make sure that you guys are following the draft pod as we get closer to the NFL draft, because this is where we get our chance to shine. We're really going to start ramping up the prospect evaluations. We will go through position group by position group. We'll cover the senior bowl in depth. We'll cover the combine in depth. Everything that you guys need to, to stay up to date with all the latest draft news with everything that could happen for the Denver Broncos and just around the league in general. We we love to nerd out on this shit. I'm Justin, for Jake, for Hank. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And enjoy that natty.